welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts, Steven. And Kyle. How's it going, Kyle? Same as always. Same as always. Always. Here we are again, back at the Hollow Sky headquarters. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to start singing my uh, theme song. Here we go again. No, I was not. Oh. <laughs> anyway, oh, no. thank you all for tuning in to hang out with us today. Once again, early Monday morning or late Monday evening or whenever the fuck you want to listen to us. Um, I put together a cool little story that I'd heard quite some time ago. So I dug back into it today. It's pretty cool, kind of a necro technology kind of story. Maybe a time slip. I don't know. I dig it. We're going to jump into it and see what it's about. But first, I got to open this monster. Oh, God, me too. Delicious. Liquid gold. We got to get through the business, so check us out at all our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Come and hang out with us. Join the community. Share weird articles you find, funny memes. Just come and have a good time. Live it up, please. Because that's what we're about. If you have a paranormal encounter that you've experienced and you'd like to share with us for us to feature on a future segment, uh, Kyle's going to tell you how to get it to us. Yep, you can uh, use your little recording device, record yourself. Then you're going to put it in an email, and you're going to shoot it over to our email, which is going to be hollowsguypodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Yeah, or you can write it out and then shoot it on to Steve and he'll read it. Great. That's what he does. Or He's a reader. Just, or you could just record it. That'd be cool. Or not. Anyway. It's their choice. It is. They do what they want. It is. We're here. Help us help you. That's right. If you'd like to support the show, we have a couple ways you can do that. First and foremost, you can tell all your weird friends about us and be like, yo, you got to check this dope ass podcast out. Yeah. And they'll come and hang out, and it'll just be this whole, like, domino effect, and everybody on the planet will end up listening to us. That is It's the, a foolproof plan. Yeah, that is the current business model of Hollow Sky Podcast. We also have a Venmo set up, if you'd like to throw a little bit of spare change in there. Make it rain on Hollow Sky. We will gladly buy monsters with that. That is literally all we'll buy with it. We have a problem. Oof. Yes. We're addicted to monsters. Very much so. And thank you to everybody who's already contributed to that. I need to get a list and shout everybody out, but you know who you are. Yep, and thanks to the Patreon members as well. Yeah. Speaking of that, we have a Patreon too. Yeah, I so, just, I just uh, spoiled it. <laughs> just, that's the segue is what we call that. Apologize. In the podcast business. Oh, Damn, I'm not familiar. So you can go over to Patreon, search up Hollow Sky Podcast, and check out our tiers. If there's something there that you find interesting, you can sign up for a little scratch and then get some yeah. get some cool stuff, extra content. Me and Kyle basically just fuck around a lot on there, but people seem to enjoy it. Yep, We've also yep. got some stickers and some magnets and all kinds of fucking dope shit. We'll send you eventually. I've got a whole list of people that have signed up. Thank you all for taking the time and helping support the show. Um, I'm working like fucking 80 hours this week, but whenever I get another day off, I'm going to send out some more stickers and shit. Word. So but the best Word. way you can help us is going to wherever you listen to your podcast and leaving us a five-star rating and review. 
Um, it helps push us up through all the other podcasts and make us more readily available when people search dope shit. We'll yeah. be at the top of the list. The top of the shit list. Yeah. Sick. Today's five-star rating and review is brought to us by our friend Cavakurt. says, love what you do. Five stars. My new favorite podcast. Love it. Bring the creepy. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love being somebody's favorite podcast. Same. That's you know, I was sick. just thinking about another way that people could help us. I know I brought it up before, but... By buying us tickets to paranormal locations for us to investigate. I thought you were going to say buying tickets to like a corn concert. That's pretty paranormal. <laughs> no, it'd be cool. We uh, also take tickets to corn. Yeah, you can You can also send us cool shit. Like mag- oh, yeah. magic crystals that make us feel better. That'd be yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, send us stuff. I know I'd I tell put everybody it in the, that. I'd put it in the podcast room for sure. Fuck yeah, I got a lot of weird shit in here anyway. Yeah, but like a magic crystal that makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> I don't think we got a crystal big enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, yeah, if you want to send us some weird shit, yeah. please do. Cursed objects, yeah. Dybbuk boxes. If you find it, just ship it to us. Yeah, you, you can hit Steve up on the damn the Antichrist platform facebook and i'll send you our shipping address yeah and you can you can hook us up with some i got a fucking PO weird box. stuff send us like just don't shit in a box and send it to us <laughs> send us bigfoot pelts uh, that'd be sick i'd turn into a coat mothman antennae just anything fucking dope you got that'd be pretty sick i'd turn a, into like a tinfoil a hat. jar with a ghost in it <laughs> that'd be cool we're down Cursed objects, if you got cursed paintings, just just send it to us. Might as well. The whole room will just be full of fucked up shit. I know, then we won't even be able to fit in here. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Perfect. Anyway, yeah, send us stuff. Um, Where the fuck are we? Oh, listener experience of the day. Yep, yep, yep. This is brought to us by our friend Artemis. She sent a story in before, and now she's following back up with some more creepy shit. Let's so, go. About to dive into that. Hey guys, this is Artemis again. Uh, I just wanted to do a little recap. You, after you talked about the my Bigfoot story, I am definitely not gonna do a Bigfoot call. <laughs> I'm gonna save myself the uh, embarrassment. But um, it was fun as a kid. I haven't done it in a while. Um, as far as other Bigfoot stories, um, my dad doesn't, or none of us really have any. Um, that was pretty much our only one, but there were some stories my dad was telling me. He says he's seen several, like, UFOs kind of just in the sky. He used to spend a lot of time out in the, just out in the middle of nowhere camping when he was younger, and he claims he's seen quite a few um, UFOs, but just little blips, like it was here, and then just boom, and then it was gone um, with, like, a light streak or something. So just, like, as fast as you could even see it wasn't an airplane um but one of his creepiest stories that he's told me was uh so he grew up in a small town in Oregon called Silverton uh which is near where I live now but um he said that he would go camping out in the woods above the town and um it was actually so later on, I ended up, we ended up living in a property that was right below these hills, like right next door. 
And um, so that's what makes us even creepier because as a kid, we would go up as far as we could up into the, the hills and there was this part where the forest just completely stopped and became like this really dark, creepy, like forest that didn't have any shrubbery. It was just dirt and uh, the trees were all creepy and twiggy. And um, it was probably some sort of old farm trees that just went way like past uh like overgrown you know but it was creeping we used to call it the dark forest and we'd go up there and there was like all these random holes dug and stuff and it just kind of freaked me out as a kid so we'd go up there during the daytime never at night because that would have been scary as hell but um yeah we call it the dark forest and then my dad told me the story a little while ago and he was like we used to go camping right above uh it's right next door is called the Oregon Gardens and so it's in Silverton Oregon and there's like it's just this giant gardens and it's really pretty and I grew up going there but um the dark forest is like right next to it and then above the property that we ended up moving into we don't live there anymore but anyway um and he said he would go camping up above those the forest of the Oregon Gardens and sometimes at night they were they were uh having some fun um <laughs> but they would be going out in the middle of the woods and they saw some things that were it was really creepy apparently there's some stories about having witches in silverton which i had never known growing up but apparently there's some witches and uh they said that they were going through the woods and they came up to the dark forest and they would like be looking in and they'd see like faces peek behind the trees and like look at them and it just scared the shit out of them and then so another time they were uh, going through there again, and they were like, you know, oh, who's gonna go in, who's gonna go in, and so they start walking through, there's like a group of them, right, and they dead ass stop and look down, and they see a fire, and like, women dancing around it, and like, all creepy, like, in a creepy, definitely witchy vibe thing, and, um, apparently he thinks that this was a really long time ago, but he thinks that they, like, stopped and looked at them, and they just all turned face and booked it, um, as you should, because that's creepy as hell, um, so that's pretty much the only, um, other creepy story of his that I really know, um, besides that, the re I recently found out about a new place over in Sweet Home, Oregon, which is about an hour from where I live, um, two hours to go up into the woods into this part above Sweet Home that's called Yellow Bottom. And I went up there with some friends uh, the other day and apparently it's known to have Wendigos. I didn't quite know that going into it. Um, and then on the way up there, one of my friends had me read this story about an encounter and basically the person um, had been camping and they went way far up there to be like, to get away from other people, you know? And then they were kind of miffed because when they were sleeping, they heard voices and people talking and laughing and whatever. And they were kind of miffed because they went up there to get away from people and they heard people. And they thought it was kind of weird. They didn't go out there to check it out. But then later on, they heard a baby crying and they uh, almost like the guy almost went out to go check. But he didn't because his friend told him not to. And then later on, the laughing and talking like resumed and the baby stopped crying. And then, um, and then in the morning, just 
no sign of other people, nothing, not at all. And so as I was reading that, I was like, dude, is this a Wendigo? Like, what? Is this a story about a Wendigo? And then they were like, yeah, apparently this place has Wendigos or whatever. And they had tried camping there before and they got too, like, freaked out. And um, so we went up there and it was a really pretty spot. It's on a creek. There's, like, nice campgrounds. It's, like, an hour's drive up from Sweet Home. But it's it's really cool, but apparently infested with Wendigos. And we, there's, like, hiking trails and stuff. And we started for a little bit. But it was getting a little bit dark, and we were, like, not trying to get stuck out there and, uh, around Wendigos. So I was a little freaked out. But at the same time, it was a really cool place. So that was definitely fun. And so, yeah, that's pretty much all my stories. I thought I'd just tell you guys about that. Anyway, have a good one. Bye. Thanks so much for uh, calling in again, Artemis. Uh, kind of bummed you didn't hit us with a Squatch call, but... Yeah, that is rather I disappointing. Understand. I don't. I still vote that you do it. Kyle says you still have a chance. Go so. for it. Um, first things to unpack: the witch story, creepy as fuck. Yeah. Never go into a place that's dubbed the dark woods because touche. Clearly, it's nefarious. nefarious. Yeah, weird. Synchronicities, dog. You're an idiot. <laughs> when you said when you talked about your dad seeing the faces poke from behind the trees, immediately thought of the hide behind. Yeah, which is creepy as which hell. Which is creepy as fuck. So yeah, and then you stumble upon chicks dancing around a fire, which is kind of fucking creepy. Yeah, that's, that's in the middle of the woods, straight from a witch movie. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, and then. Your little camping story where the dude was hearing baby cries and voices and stuff. Yeah. And then the fact that you classic Wendigo shit. Have now informed us of a place that is quote unquote known for Wendigos. <laughs> that is rather frightening. Yeah, I wouldn't I love how like when you called them out, like, or are we talking about a Wendigo? And everybody's like, Yeah, we're it's it's the it's the Wendigo forest. Yeah. Duh. Like, why would you take me there? It's just funny. Like I I picture like some dude, yeah, you know, uh, this area is really known for the grizzly and porcupine, and this one over here, the Wendigo resides there. <laughs> over there, you got a lot of mountain lions yeah, and rattlesnakes. Excuse me, did you? What was, what was <laughs> the second one? Go back one. <laughs> and if you're hanging out, and then the, the, with the baby crying and shit, yeah, that's Fuck that's that. something that I just. I don't know. I don't want to be a part of. No, I I'm mean, not, I'm not. I'd go chase the Wendigo. Oh, dude, that one. I would too, but it would suck. Yeah. Accurate. It would suck because you're what? You're not going to do anything to that fucking thing. It'd be, sick, not to, it'd be sick to see it, though. And then you would could never get be it, able to tell about it. Could I get it to sign a contract that it will not murder me? Well, at that point, why don't you just get it to sign your shirt? I would. If he wouldn't murder me. That'd be sick. I gotta go. Things gotta happen in order, Kyle. Oh, oh right. Yeah. If he, if he signs my shirt and then murders me, <laughs> nobody's gonna know I got but my shirt. But if I on. find your shirt and it's got a Wendigo signature and on you it. You could just wear it out. I could be famous. True. It's like finding a Bigfoot bone. You can buy a Lamborghini. It's true. That's exactly um, what I would do with it. Okay. Thanks again, Artemis, for taking the time to share your paranormal experiences. Um... If you go back to the window, go woods. You know, just don't go back to the window, go woods. Just stay away from that. Yeah, it's probably a, a wise decision. Let us go into the window, go woods. <laughs> yeah, just just send us a a pin drop, a location yeah. drop, ah, and there you go. Let it out that way. 
All right, on to my little uh, story that I dug up here. It's a good one. Um, it's kind of... Good? Yeah, it is good. But toward the end of my research, I eventually stumbled upon a bunch of information that I did not put in my initial story. So after I get done... With what I've written, we're going to circle back okay. and look at this other stuff. Um, I'm calling it Ghost in the Machine because that sounds dope as fuck. But yeah. it's also known as the Doddleston messages or the Doddleston time messages. Our story starts in late 1984 in the village of Doddleston, Cheshire. Ken Webster was fixing up an old rundown 18th century property that he had just purchased known as Meadow Co- Cottage. Uh, He was living with his 19-year-old girlfriend, Debbie Oakes. Debbie was an economics teacher at a local school and interested in music as a side hobby. Also staying was a house guest named Nicola Bagley. The story begins to get weird with some minor poltergeist activity in the cottage, which, I mean, is kind of part of the course when you're fixing up a 200-year-old property. That's a valid point. Like, aren't they all haunted? Yeah, especially it's notorious whenever you do the renovation shit. You're messing stuff up, and they're just not. Yeah, they're a little bit pissy because you're taking the wallpaper down. (laughs) Yeah. So as they're renovating this, there's multiple occasions that they come into a room and items, say, in the kitchen, for example, such as cans and bottles and tins would be moved around. Some of them would be stacked up in various positions, sometimes in towers over four feet tall. Oh, yeah. So that gets... Really fucking weird. Then that's that's a sign that some shit's going on. It's, yeah, at that point I'd be like, yeah, this is not poltergeist. Who who stacks cans four feet tall? Well, at first they thought that it was just some of their local friends like playing housewarming pranks on them. Yeah, touche. So I mean, I could see. Yeah, years ago we would have done that dumb shit. Yeah. Then they started noticing these footprints. Their weird, long, spindly, six-toed footprints were seen walking along the floor straight up the wall through the ceiling. Oh, okay. That's that's normal. So Ken, just being a dude, is like, ah, it's probably just probably just the house, just the dirt. <laughs> so he okay. he scrubs scrubs it down, scrubs it all down and paints over the whole fucking thing. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Until the next day, when after he got all the painting done the tracks show up again oh. in different spots. Oh, in different spots. In different <laughs> spots. Good. Uh, it's a little bizarre that they have six toes. Yeah. Like, because that, that's straight up Nephilim shit there. Yeah. It is. Interesting. Interesting. Um, They also started finding chalk marks on the wall, like something was riding with charcoal out of the fireplace, but it wasn't ever enough to be legible, like make sense of. Right. There was a lot of just random marks and shit. Uh, they talked about temperature drops, odd wind fluctuations in the house that shouldn't be there. They said so, sometimes that the wind was strong enough to blow newspapers off the table. So that's kind of going back to like the poltergeisty, yeah. paranormal, ghosty shit. Yeah, ghosty shit. Yeah. There was also disembodied footsteps that were heard, as well as as well as an overwhelming sense of not being alone in the house, like there was a presence in there with them. So more check boxes for the the ghosty shit. Yeah, this this by itself is enough to be like, 
something fucking weird is going on here. <laughs> That's without question. I'd be let's, a little on edge at my own home with that going. Let's on. call a paranormal investigator. But they're like, nah. Let's just let's just see what happens. So Nicola had a side job writing like funny stories for a local paper. So she was interested in getting a computer. You have to keep in mind that this is 1984. So computers are fucking dumb ancient back then. Yeah, they're at the school Ken was uh teaching at, he borrowed a BBC micro compressor model B from their IT department. Um it's a pretty early computer, one of the ones that took the big like 5 fucking inch floppy disk for storage. <laughs> um it was just a big like clunky ass machine with a little black screen on it. Pretty much all you can do is type on it. Yeah. Like it was, it was before like. That reminds me Tetris of like and, playing Oregon Trail on yeah. the old school giant floppy disk. Yeah. Only, t- it was like 10 years before that. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome that all you can do is type. <laughs> that's a fucking waste of a computer. They decided to keep the computer in their kitchen, which is kind of easy access for anybody who needed to use it. One night when they were returning home, the story here is kind of convoluted because. This first encounter that I'm going to tell you about, I've read multiple accounts where some people say it is the very first correspondence they have, and then I read again that it was the final correspondence they have, but I'm just going to roll with it. Hmm. It's 2021. Time is irrelevant. It's all fucking soup anyway, so we're just going to go with it. Yeah. So they're returning home. They were out on the town. They pulled up to the house, and Ken noticed that there's a light flickering in the kitchen. He's like, all right, that's fucking weird. He hoped that like the house wasn't on fucking fire because he just did all this work to remodel. So they run up the sidewalk to their front door. Well, Debbie looks through and sees that the computer is on. And that's where the light's coming from. So Ken walks in to go shut down the computer and he sees a series of words glowing on the screen. Words that he or Debbie or Nicola did not type. This is what it said. Ken, Debbie, and Nick. True are the nightmares of a person that fears. Save for the bodies of the silent world. Turn pretty flower, turn toward the sun, for you shall grow and sow. But the flower reaches too high and withers in the burning light. Faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. Okay. Written on the computer when nobody was home. I would have said, stop talking in riddles, asshole. So... I'm assuming that there's not a lot of internet going on point. at that point. So, like, I did a little <laughs> bit of research, and this specific model type B does have, like, an infrastructure where it can be linked to other computers in a general vicinity. Like Wi-Fi? Not really. I don't know if it has to be connected via, like, cable. Cable. You would think. Which would make sense. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Wi-Fi probably, um, 1984, I'm sure it doesn't fucking <laughs> exist. Fucking cell phones didn't exist. Yeah, so. it doesn't exist. At least to our knowledge. So for someone to be able to hack into the computer. Very extremely. Not. Yeah, it's not happening. A fucking possibility. No. So this weird poem would be the first contact of what the paranormal community would refer to as the Donaldson Messages. 
Less than two months after the poem appeared on the screen, they return home from a day out. Nicola gets on the computer to start writing, and she discovers a file that wasn't there the last time anyone had used the computer. It was saved as R-E-A-T-E, which, once you start seeing some other messages, you'll understand that it means read by somebody that does not spell the same way that we spell. Oh, I was thinking of the metal vocal style. Yeah, like a breed, but it's a read, <laughs> except that it's read. That means read. When they opened it, they found an odd message. So weird. Now you're gonna have to bear with me here, because <laughs> it is in an it is what they end up discovering is an ancient, like archaic version of English. So bear with me. Yeah, it looks stupid. It says, "What strange words thou speak." Although I must confess that I hath also been ill-schooled, sometimes methinks altercations are somewhat barful, for they break mine sleeps in mine bed. I hath seen many altercations. Lastly, charge house and thy home. Tis a fitting place with lies which the deviloth make. It sounds like a shitty reenactment of Shakespeare. Like Shakespeare? Yeah. yeah. Terrified of these messages that they're starting to receive, Ken immediately takes the messages to one of his school colleagues, Peter Trinder. Trinder was a teacher of medieval literature, and he was convinced that it was written in an old English or an archaic English. Which is fair. Right. So they tried to make sense of this odd message. They begin to contemplate what exactly the lights which the devil make could be that this writer would speak of, Eventually, it sets in that perhaps this person is trying to describe the messages on a computer, but this person had no idea of what computer communication technology was. Right. Like words of the devil, lights of the devil. Because in... Yeah, I mean, if they back if he exists way back then, if they saw a computer, they would instantly be like, yeah, this is uh, devil's magic shit. Exactly. So as time passed, they start to receive more and more correspondence back and forth from whoever is leaving messages on this computer. Eventually, it starts to sign the messages as LW. As the correspondence continued with LW, he introduces himself as Lucas Wayman. He states that he's living in 19... Er, wow. He states that he's living in the 1540s during Henry VIII's reign and Henry's marriage to Catherine Parr which but it would have been between 1543 and 1547 specifically. He states that he lives in a house on the same site and demanded to know why they were living in his house and what this light box was that they were communicating from. So he's definitely talking about the computer now. Yes. Wow. Yes. So the correlation between the devil lights and the light, light box. box is a pretty good one. So, essentially... We have someone from the 1540s communicating with someone from the 1980s at the same time. But how in the fuck is he putting messages on the computer? We will get there. Okay. I was going to say, if that motherfucker can't even, he probably can't even spell. So how does he type it on a computer? If he was convinced of the devil's shit, he's not even going to touch that computer anyways. Maybe he fucks. Maybe he parties with. Maybe he's got like a scanner and he just scans his written messages (laughs) and it converts. We're we're gonna get to that. Okay. Interesting. 
Ken would write back and forth and receive response. He started to notice that there were some historical errors in them, so it kind of led him to believe that whatever the fuck was going on was kind of a hoax. Okay, all right. Good job, Ken. Right? But the more that they kept in contact, the more they started to build a friendship. Like, they started to trust one another. That's cool. And essentially, it was almost like... like, us and Icarus. Yeah. Except they don't talk to us anymore. That's true. Cold shoulder. It was kind of like a fucking time-traveling email system before email was even a thing. That's kind of cool. That would be uh, really fucking cool to have happen to you. Yeah. Lucas would share events from his timeline, and the trio would share events from their timeline. And like I said, they built a friendship with this person, essentially, from the 16th century. Communication was a little one-sided because Lucas claimed that he was able to glimpse in to the world in 1980 and also interact with it in bits and pieces. Like he could move stuff huh. in their cottage. So it's almost like a like if you were thinking on it as two separate timelines, like my brain would look at it like Two alternate universes where this one little section there, the universes are just barely merging together. Where like where where he's at, he actually ex- can damn near exist into both of them in a way. Yeah, the way I see it is like two timelines laid on top of one another, and since fifteen forties has already happened in Ken's world, he cannot go back and affect the past because it already happened. Yeah, that's a valid point. In Lucas's world, 1980 hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So he can affect the future, but they can't affect the past. That's right. what I'm thinking in my brain. So, anyway, Lucas goes on to reveal things about his life, that he kept livestock on the property. He had been married and had a son, but they both did not survive a plague outbreak in, or in 1517. He also stated that he studied at a Jesus college. It's called Jesus College in Oxford. Turns out this college was not founded until 1570. When Ken calls his bullshit, Lucas says that he did that to see if they were really from the future. Which doesn't make fucking sense, because how would Lucas know in 1546 that this college would be created in 1570? Lucas, you're pulling some shenanigans here, buddy. Unless Lucas is traveling through all the time. (coughs) Eventually, he states that he actually attended uh, Brasenos College in Oxford, where he met uh, the Catholic priest and Dutch philosopher uh, Erasmus. On multiple occasions, he claims that he was forced out of the college for failure to expunge the Pope's names from certain documents, the whole big thing. He was kicked out, yada, yada. Uh, Ken had an idea to test the claims of Lucas being able to interact with 1984 and 85. So he began leaving photos out for Lucas, including one of Erasmus. These photos all disappeared. Okay, that's and weird. nobody knows where the fuck that they went. What would have been a cool test would have been if Ken 
would have been like, yo, Lucas, do me a solid. If you're really staying on this property, bury some, lift this floorboard and put something, put a coin underneath that floorboard. Oh, yeah, that would be dope. That would have been cool. Always thinking, Kyle. I try. Um, all of the photos disappeared without a trace except one. It was a photo of a card that was similar to a card that Ken owned. This photo ended up coming back a couple weeks later with its edges all scorched. Mm, like somebody tried burning it. Or when it was traveling through the timelines to get back, it was just fucked up. Hopefully it was a poster <laughs> of a Lamborghini. I hope it was. <laughs> um, Ken always thought that like everything seemed like a like it was a fucking hoax, right? Yeah, like initial, like right out of the gate, that's what I'm thinking. Especially when they were trying to do the dupe thing on the college. Yeah, like that would throw the big curveball. Because I'm like, how when they said that he was testing him, I'm like, it's nineteen, it's 1546. How the fuck does he yeah, know about a college yeah, in 1570? You have no fucking clue that this college is even made, ass. Unless he was told by right, somebody that, else. Yeah, in the that's future. possible. Uh, the situation starts to get really weird because, like I said, Ken was kind of believing it was a hoax. He said that Lucas's responses were always kind of vague and they were not good at relaying information. But Debbie starts getting more and more poltergeist activity directed toward her. She experiences hair pulling, weird tapping sounds, strange physical pressure applied to her while she's at home by herself. The feeling of being watched and that there's a presence in the room with her. To add to this, she begins to dream of who she thinks is Lucas. That's weird. And she said the dreams are so concrete and so vivid, they feel more like memories than dreams. They're all of her traveling back to 1540 and interacting with him and the world around him. So much so that she began hinting at growing feelings of intimacy. She of course. Even, of she course. even talks about a particular candle-making session that got pretty fucking suggestive. So she's not exactly handling candles. That's code. For making <laughs> candles. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like whatever is going on is... A, focusing their intent and energy toward Debbie. And also kind yeah, of like... Because they're trying to get pervy. Yeah, they're kind of like... I kind of thought like maybe Lucas, if he was real, maybe he had like... He probably saw Debbie and was like, damn. damn Debbie got back. Yeah. Like, I had no idea girls looked like that. <laughs> in, eight, in 1980. Right. Whew. He's like, man, that's an upgrade. Let me got them yams, dog. Let's go. Anyway. Make some candles. Things begin to get weird-er. Weird-er. Uh, I was going to say, they're definitely weird. As they get a group from a third, or they get a message from a second person now, claiming to be a friend of Lucas's, stating that Lucas has been arrested by the authorities because his light box, which he refers to the computer as, authorities are beginning to think that it has devilish implications. There's claims of witchcraft and shit. So they lock Lucas up. Here they learn that Lucas is not Lucas's real name. Oh, so he's been lying the whole time. Right. Because he didn't want 
beings from the future knowing who he really was in the past. Okay, so at this point, Lucas, what the fuck is your real story, bro? <laughs> What's your real story? Because if you are worried that beings in the future know your fucking name, that means to some degree, this is not your first contact with beings from the future. It's coming, dog. Because you are already privy of people in the future. Because if this was your first contact, your mind is going to be scorched. It's coming. Straight up scorched. Lucas's real name turned out to be Thomas Harden or Thomas Haraden. H-A-W-A-R-D-E-N. At this point, the local sheriff jumps on the devil box. To message the trio. See, and that just sounds sketchy and stuff. To see if what Lucas is saying is legit. I still don't know if I buy it. So from there, the trio begins to put pressure on the sheriff to let Lucas go. That he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah. So they basically put Lucas on like a house arrest and tell him, you can go home until you go to trial. So with the implications of witchcraft, Lucas is fucking terrified that he's going to get killed. Yeah, I would that's just. What they do. I would be run. I would run. So they begin to like dig into Lucas's story. I'm gonna call him Lucas. I know his name's Thomas, but we're gonna go with Lucas from here on out. Yeah, that makes it easier. They begin to dig into this story. Lucas, how'd you get this light box? You know, if you're talking to us through a computer, how the fuck did you get a computer in 1540? Lucas reveals that his light box was brought to his home by someone referring to themselves as one, and that they were from the year 2109. So, okay. that being said, Lucas thinks that Ken, Nicola, and Deb Debbie are also from 2109. And he assumes that they're friends with one. Right. But Ken's like, nah, dog, this is 1985. 1984, so, 85. Would that almost suggest that Lucas has got some mixed feelings about one? Like, what do you mean? Like, like I feel like I probably should not trust one. Yeah, I, I feel like what you said the first time, like he was freaked the fuck out. All that energy went toward one when one brought the computer to his fucking house. Well, He's yeah. like, hey, <laughs> his brain was straight scorched. Here's earth. a devil's box. You can talk to entities in the future. Yeah. So you have to you have to think Lucas is sitting there looking at this and being like, All right, this witch just brought me this devil box and I'm gonna talk to ghosts through it. And in the in the same token debbie nicola and ken are sitting on their computer thinking that they're fucking talking to ghosts yeah from the past <laughs> i don't know like it's hard to wrap your brain around and then I, like i, I cause i'm trying to put myself in lucas's shoes like what because a he's obviously not a very bright person so for him like like it's just a or maybe he is for 1540. He went to maybe, college. Maybe maybe he did the pool fast. I dropped fast out of college. I don't know, man. Like like it's just bizarre to me that somebody in the 1500s their brain would have the capacity to work like that too unless it was told by one. If everything was broke down. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Hey, yeah. This isn't as bad as you think it is." And Lucas, so I'm imagining Lucas is at his home doing his thing. The 
timelines overlaps and all of a sudden he sees these people, these beings, which are going to be completely foreign to him because they're 400 years in the fucking future. Yeah. Rummaging around his house, renovating his house. Which is so crazy. He's going to be like, man, how am I? Because clearly if he's responsible for the poltergeist activity, he's trying to contact them. Yeah. He's moving their shit around. He's trying to write on the walls and shit and they're not getting anything. That's so, so weird. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to the devil's box. We're going to go to the devil's box. And yeah. Just maybe. I, okay. I can further wrap my brain around that because I initially pictured like this weird being bringing a devil box and because I would assume people back then would be like, I'm not fucking touching this box. This is, this is not yeah, cool. I'm that's not, how I I'm too. not fucking with this. But if it was explained and then not to mention if you are like in that situation where you're forced, you, you were seeing these entities moving around your house Especially in like a non-malicious manner, they're just kind of going about you're their like, business and shit. The yeah, yeah. After a while, you're like, All right, you know what? Fuck it. They got a devil box. I got <laughs> a devil box. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> My question is: Is the computer that Lucas got is it a big clunky ass touche piece of trash from 1985, or is it a fucking supercomputer from 2109? Right. Since that's what they're bringing in. They just drop, I hope it is. They just drop off a giant floppy disk he's, to Lucas. <laughs> he's on twenty one oh nine in virtual reality, fucking hanging out. And they're they're over here one yeah. one key pecking trying to send ready player back. one shit for Lucas and. So from there, an unknown entity from twenty one oh nine begins leaving messages on the nineteen eighty five computer. Okay, so now there's a possibility of four people, yes. four different entities. Lucas, involved. the friend, yeah. The fucking sheriff. Four, four different groups. Five, now, five different groups. Future guy. Yeah. And they state, quote, that the events that are that the trio are experience are or that the trio are experiencing has a wider purpose than what they think. That sounds fucking familiar, doesn't it? Okay, go back now. Say that again. The entity from 2109 starts leaving messages yeah. to the trio in 1985, okay. stating that the events that they are experiencing have a wider purpose than they can imagine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's well. I'm uh. What was I just seeing here? I saw something. The future. Yeah. <laughs> I no. Oh, my brain went different on your note there. <laughs> hey, Hollow Colt. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it so just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin 
Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Because it's from there, an unknown entity. And I was thinking that, like in our correspondence with Egress, I thought I was anticipating them to talk shit on one of the entities, like basically saying, hey, don't trust this guy. Oh, just trust wait. this guy. Just wait. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> just fucking wait. So it's all connected. You're all in it. You're in it to win it. Sick. So Lucas, at this point, Lucas is put on trial for witchcraft. <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> but he's kept alive. That's even stranger. Because they think he is the devil. Is directly responsible for keeping the light box functional. And they want to keep the correspondence going. <laughs> so the sheriff is like, you know what? We'll keep you alive. But then again, there's an old Lucas here. He claimed to have ties to the Pope and shit. Well, he wrote a story or he fixed some. I thought he was hanging out with the Pope. Oh, he, no, hung out oh. with the, he hung out with the philosopher. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I, I was thinking Vatican, them motherfuckers are always collecting a bunch of weird shit, et cetera, et cetera. But never yeah. mind. Go on. And the sh- at this point, after Lucas is tried and he there decide they decide to keep him alive, the sheriff is in correspondence with the trio now. The sheriff lets it be known that the year is 1546. So exactly in the time frame that Lucas let them know months before. Right. Uh, Communication resumes with Lucas, but 2109 is becoming more and more interruptive in the communications, leading Ken and Lucas to believe that this entity is actually changing Lucas's messages that are coming through to the group. Oh, that's suspect. Yeah. Trying to pull the strings a little bit. So, yeah, you're definitely... Well... Which sounds fucking familiar again, only not on the egress format. Weird. <laughs> yeah, because that motherfucker there, the 2109, if by what you're saying is clearly trying, almost like they're trying to alter their time by going in the past and manipulating the strings to aid in the future. That's fucking weird. That's weird. So Ken and Lucas are like, you know what? Lucas, if you can fucking manipulate our timeline, we don't need these fucking computers to talk. So they set up an old-ass, ancient way of communicating where they just leave a piece of paper and a lump of charcoal on the table for Lucas to talk. There you go. And they start communication like that. So that is, that's that's almost borderline, like I said earlier, like digging up a floorboard and leaving a coin underneath it. It's kind of the same concept. So they'll leave it out on the table, they'll come, uh, they'll wake up the next morning and Lucas will have left a message. But how do they communicate back? I don't know. Probably right. Probably wrote the chalkboard. I don't think time works that way. <laughs> how, how the fuck does time work? You're talking I to a guy know. from 1546. But they can't, they can't write messages and send them up, put it, fold it up in paper airplane and send it back. So when 2109 eventually learns that Ken knows Lucas's real name is Thomas Harden, he fucking flips. Oh, so 2109's a dick. He demands that Ken stop. And I quote, disturbing their experiments. 
Oh, so if I was Ken, I'd be like, what what the fuck you mean? The experiments? Yeah. So what's going on here? Ken's like, I'm about to throw a curveball at this motherfucker. He, I wish. No, he didn't? No. Well, he kind of did with the, the, the writing system. At this point, the landlord that... Lucas is living in mm-hmm. who owns the who actually owns the property demands that witchy Lucas get the fuck out of here. Oh, so yeah, he's just straight. He's like, no. Yeah, he's like, I'm not dealing with this. I, I'm the not, sheriff's here all the time. Yeah, I'm not written my house. There's the time traveling beings witches. all over the fucking place. He's like, you need to go. You're bad news. So Lucas leaves a final message, wishing Harden or wishing. Uh, Ken and his friends, well, stating that he's going to go start a new life in Bristol. He's going to buy a horse and try to see if he can get a job at the college or get enrolled in the college again. He states that he will write a book about the events and hopes that someday time travel will be possible so he can meet and read Ken's book that Ken is going to, to write. Okay. So since Lucas Lucas can so now they're both on the same page. Like I'm gonna write a book, you're, you're gonna, gonna write, write a book. book. We're gonna share it. Okay. All right. All right. So Dude, I'm, that's a lot of fucking thinking for the 1500s in the other time. Like that's a lot of plotting. Like I feel like I feel like the dude from the 1500s may not be from the 1500s because he seems like a paranoid. <laughs> fucking conspiracy nut, dude. Bro, he just he just had a time traveling indie bring a devil's box to his front door. I know. Of course he's gonna be paranoid. But those people had like straw on the floor. And now he's got a computer from twenty one oh nine. Of course his brain's fucked. He he's he trying to milk turned... a, he's trying to milk a fucking goat and there's Minecraft <laughs> playing on his devil box. That's not so bad. So if we circle fifteen hundred Alex <laughs> Jones, if we circle back to when Peter Trinder, the uh, medieval writing yeah, yeah, specialist, yeah, 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 yeah. he looked into the spelling of the manuscript. He found out the checkable vocabulary was authentic to speech in or before the fifteen forties. So he considered the messages to be genuine of the timeline. He supplied an appendix to the book. The book I'm talking about, Ken went on to write a book. Okay. Right? I'm going to plug it. It's called The Vertical Plane. If you want, you can go on Amazon and find used copies. They're only $500. Yeah. Remember when I was talking about earlier about sending us cool shit? Yeah. So if you can find a PDF file of it, that would be dope. Maybe it's on Kindle. I read that it was reissued not long ago. So if you hunt far enough you'll probably be able to find a a physical copy for less than five hundred dollars but it's called the vertical plane by ken webster check it out side note what was the other book that we were looking at that was like nine hundred dollars oh i don't fucking know books are expensive but it's just bizarre how this is like the second like i'll say high profile book that we've kind of come across that has had an outrageous price tag on it. The and people are like trying to bury it. Yeah, it makes you wonder like, mm-hmm. why is that price tag mm-hmm. so high on that book? thought that too. So, Trindard believed the messages to be genuine. He uh, supplied an appendix to the book of his findings. He also contacted Robin P. Dell. He's an assistant library at the College of Brasinos, where Lucas said that he attended. 
He could not find records of a Lucas Wayneman that attended the college, but he did find records of Thomas Harden. Well, that attended the college. There you go. So either somebody did so much fucking homework that when they made up the Lucas Wayneman, they're like, oh shit. If they go back and decide to dig through the records 400 years ago in this college, yeah. they're going to find out we didn't, he didn't so exist. So they got to change. Yeah, I got you. But what are the chances of that happening? Uh, are they going to look, are they going to think that much, that far into the future that someone's going to dig through the archives? Not for a simple hoax. No. Like if you were the government trying to cover some shit up, yes. So I got some things written down here. Could it be time travel or time slip? Like I said, are the timelines overlapping and the veil thin enough that Lucas can move freely? Well, not freely, but interact with 85, 84 and 85. I feel like I feel like that's probably the best case uh, assumption that there. I don't really know how to explain it other than the fact that there's some type of time anomaly going on. And then I totally feel like the 2100 asshole is definitely trying to manipulate something to change yeah. something in its current time. Like I feel like 2109 just they're like what let, let's let's put this experiment together, all right? So our first subject is going to be this lowly ass fucking farmer who has nothing left. His wife is dead, his kids dead, he was kicked out of college. He's just over here raising his livestock, minding his fucking business out on the the outskirts of town. Let's send this old boy here with a devil's box and see what the fuck we can stir up. And maybe per, maybe, I just had a thought, by 2109 saying quit fucking with our experiment, maybe the people in 2109 were running experiment to see what they actually could get away with changing in their timeline. Mm. Maybe there wasn't a specific reason. Maybe just they were just like, see. let's see what we can do. Let's, I got you. Like they put out a theory, like if we fuck with this one and this one, maybe it'll change this in our timeline. Interesting. And they ran the experiment to see if it would actually change it because then they could go on and alter whatever the fuck they wanted if they had the right formula for it. Yeah. Hmm. So there's that plausibility. Hmm. We're geniuses. Another theory is, could he be a ghost? Could Lucas be a ghost? I don't feel like it. A remnant of what was. I don't either. The poltergeist activity kind of sent me that way, but that's just um, that's immediately the first place you're going to go when you hear poltergeist shit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I wrote that off. Is it all a well-constructed hoax? So is someone, let's take it from this point of view, is someone playing a hoax on... Ken, Deb, and Nicola. It stated that while the security of the cottage was not great, yeah, there was never any evidence of a break-in. Uh, messages were often received while everyone was in the house. Webster had borrowed more than one computer from the school. It was a pool of computers that this was happening through. Oh, okay. That changes. is interesting. Yeah, because that would take... Time. It would be almost impossible to rig them all yeah. from the pool to make it to make it a hoax. It's also stated that once these computers are shut off, nothing put on them could be retained. They had to save it all to the floppy disk. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So they couldn't have put these messages on, 
And then when they took it to the cottage, turned it on, and then just show up. Right. There was no way of sending the messages remotely, as I stated earlier. The internet wasn't a real thing. It says that these computers didn't have modems, so I'm not exactly sure if that's true or not. But they also stated that some of the uh, replies were received fast, like how we would do text messages. And they're received when they're talking to Lucas in this 16th century style wording, which you would think it would take somebody a while to formulate their message and then turn it into old English. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And on top of that, why would anybody fucking even bother to do it? I don't Uh, know. like, Like such an elaborate hoax. Um... Did Ken, Deb, and Nicola make it up? Was it a hoax on their part? Did Ken have this idea to write this book and the best way to do it is to fabricate this whole fucking thing and use that to propel his, his novel? I mean, is it that far fetched? No. Um, I found a website about the book, The Vertical Plane, and there was some information regarding some writing analysis comparing Lucas's writing to Ken's writing. Um, this person, Wright, carried out analysis of the incidence of adjectives in front of nouns throughout all of the writing, and they found almost an identical frequency between Lucas's and Ken's. They're 26% to 26.6%, which means 26% of the nouns that they wrote had an adjective in front of it. Whereas normally they would be 32 to 35%. For that to be almost 10% different from the pool makes it almost certain that whoever was writing Lucas's messages was also writing Ken's. Interesting. Weird, right? It doesn't completely discount the story, but it does kind of lead doubt and speculation that Ken could be making this all right. Yeah, for sure. So that's where I ended my research at. But right before we got together, I was digging and digging and digging, trying to find a PDF file of the book. I did find a Google document that pulls the correspondence of 2109 from the book and list them. Okay. That would be another question is, did anybody run? I did not see that. Because even, even if at that point, Ken would have made up Lucas, it doesn't account. The sheriffs would have had to match up. Yeah. The friends would have had to match up. Yep. 2109 would have had to match up. Yeah, because there's a lot of moving parts in that story. It's stated here. I didn't find it in my research, but it's stated here that one begins correspondence through the computers as well. Okay. So that would be five entities that they would have to put together and they would have to match up with Ken's. Now, I would... I would I would be more compelled to believe if they could ana- analyze all of them and found basically the exact same with every entity that broke through. That would be more damning. Yes, yes, very much so. So I'm going to just go through here. Bear with me. There's ten pages of this correspondence of 2109, and read you some of this cryptic fucking bullshit that they send. Like it is fucking crazy. Okay, it says this one, for example. 
we are sorry we cannot or we are sorry we can only give you two choices that you either have your predicament explained in such a non-rhyme way that you have instant understanding because what should not happen or because what should not be to happen let me read that again you either have your predicament explained in such a non-rhyme way that you may have instant understanding but cause what should happen not to happen so they will tell you, they will tell you exactly what the fuck is going on, yeah. but the future w- will not happen. Yeah, because that doesn't sound extremely fucking familiar. Yeah. Extremely. Or two, try to understand that you three have a purpose that shall in your lifetime change the face of history. We, 2109, must not affect your thoughts directly but give you some sort of guidance that will allow room for your own destiny. All we can say is that we are all part of the same God, whatever he is. Weird. Weird, right? Yeah, so there's two for two. They ask a question for help. They respond. Um, What help do you require? If you wish... What the fuck, dude? Did you see that page move? What the... (laughs) Dude, I am am over this already. (laughs) I am over this because this is... Like I, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it, but I know you're thinking exactly what I'm thinking. There, he's probably in here getting ready to write us a message. No, I, I literally feel like that. What exactly the way you're going is exactly the way we like almost verbatim. It's literally almost the exact fucking same. Nobody, nobody knows what we're talking about, but you will eventually. Yeah, that that is time travels fucked, bro. Fucking bizarre. They state that there is nothing to fear outside man, but you are not fully capable of knowing what man really is. Without knowledge, you have fear. With fear, you create your own nightmares. Yeah, that's way too cryptic. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, let me Just, see you. Hey, for all you fucking beings out there trying to communicate, <laughs> do it normal. Oh, this Google Doc takes so long to fucking load Stop up. Stop doing it so cryptic. Yeah, just tell us. Jesus. Just tell us our shit. Um, let's see here. Do you wish to know? Do you wish to know of Lucas and what of him? Because the computer to her, because the computer to have been never in his time, thus he shall fall to an unnatural death. He would have no knowledge of you or your time, and you shall have no proof. You continue with the computer and risk the side of your destiny as Lucas's, but something will be proved. Three, you must sit undisturbed and talk and listen. Most importantly, the answer will come to you, not from an individual. That's cryptic as fuck as well. What did, what did Ken do for a living again? Uh, Ken worked at some university, I think. Okay. Let me go through say, here. There's... Because they're... There's like when it comes to writing, that like the way that it's presented, it would be assuming, assumingly that as of right now, there's at least three different forms of uh, what am I like literature, so to speak, like the way things yeah. are written, like the verbiage is so different between the three entities. I would imagine that's relatively difficult, depending on Ken's background. Yeah. Um, here's a long one. It says, you are mistaken. We do not speak any doom and gloom, but possibly you refer to the forces that you yourself have unleashed against our better judgment. 
It is correct for you to assume that the poltergeist phenomenon is present in the communications, but we can say very little about this subject as only what you will already know. For reasons surely evident to you three, poltergeist phenomena is as follows. Surplus kinetic energy projected by either one or more individuals or storage channels held within buildings and places where strong emotions such as frustrations have been felt. Most common energy centered around an individual released for many reasons, usually children of the ages between 12 to 19, 87.9% of them female. In all but three recorded cases, no injuries inflicted by the source. The last case of injury sustained by a falling beam recorded in 2006. So they're talking of shit from the future. Okay, so you have that, and then on top of that, like I'm trying, I'm trying to like look at it from a Ken's pulling dick moves and faking all this. So now you have, like I pointed out, the three different forms of communication, which would take some type of skill to be able to pull that off. And now I feel like statistically, Ken would have to do fuckloads of research for that one little paragraph. Unless he's pulling shit out of his ass and no one checks it. Touche. They go on to talk about the poltergeist. The force is usually an extremely foul entity which seems to thrive on strong adverse emotions, making little sense in in its communication. It seems to play on an individual's fear. Dislikes lack of attention has been thought at one stage that the individuals cried to be noticed. There is more said about this phenomena, but it would not be of interest to you. We have stopped communication between Lucas and yourselves until things cool down. Then you may continue as before. Lucas's time will stand still relative to your time so that you may start where you left off. These entities haven't a consciousness as such. It is energy that is formed in character. It is suggested that several small incidents, the individuals atomically imagine the work of a ghost which most people assume to resemble human form, therefore an image is created by the person concerned, which strangely enough influences the forces involved. Again, it seems that there is a strong connection between the entities and the person as a nucleus. Sometimes it's considered that to study the person concerned is as informative as the phenomenon itself. Okay, so I'm going to stop real quick. Um, A, that's a lot for my brain to digest. (laughs) And I got stuck on a visual. So it's going to sound way off topic, but it's kind of not. Have you ever seen the TV show Flash? The Flash, whatever. No. Okay, well. Maddox watches it. Okay, Maddox, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So there is a section when the Flash is able to run through the Speed Force, right? He can go in there and he can go basically forward and backwards in time. Well, when he does this on occasion, I forget what it's called, like the Time Reaver or something like that. But as they do this, he basically pisses off a paranormal mm, entity. Twenty one oh nine that will hunt you down, basically. Which reminds me, so basically, like the way I picture it is like you have these people fucking with the timeline, and that's where this poltergeist is like, uh, uh-uh, motherfuckers. I'm basically like a little guardian here, and that's when that's when the twenty one oh nine is like, hey, we got to let things chill because we're pissing off the the time poltergeist thing. Yep. yep. They go on to state, we have reason believe reason to believe that you have Lucas Wayman's true name. If this is correct, you must say so, so that we may rectify the problem immediately before it's expected. 
You may now continue to write to Lucas to establish your responsibility to our experiments and toward a better understanding of time and its forces. Yeah. So how does that sound familiar? Yeah. The as as minuscule as knowing someone's real name, this this one entity could have came and said, Hey, you can use this devil box, but your name is Lucas Wayman from now on. Don't yeah. you ever Yeah give him your full name or else everything's fucked. The friend comes <laughs> by does. and is like, they're like, Lucas, who the fuck's Lucas? Thomas is in jail. And they're like, <laughs> boom, goes the fucking whole time. Yeah, and then 2109's got to do damage control because they fucked it. Yeah. Please, you must understand that we are not here to play games. The problem is greater than we can explain with, or what with your lack of knowledge. What is a greater problem than placing an unbalanced card on a card tower and watching it collapse with devastating consequences? Even though you may save the ace, you have lost the pack. And what use is a single card for the game? I'd have been like, hey, asshole, don't sit here and call me <laughs> stupid, okay? You're, hey, you knew how this was going to play out, asshole. You're from the future. Let me scroll Get down Get out here. of here. Dude, the the correspondence is so fucking crazy. You all, I'm will, so glad I stumbled. In the near future, you all will know. Like I feel like that has to come out here soon. At at present, you have two Lucases running around your house. If at any time the two are to meet, we cannot explain the devastation that will erupt within the time continuum. We must stop communication with Lucas One, but we cannot interfere with Lucas Two while we decide what can be done to rectify the problem. You must help by giving us every word uttered by Thomas Harden from, from the second you received his true name. You must also state how much information you have on this man. Everything, word for word. Avoid any other communication you may have with him. Desperation, please be quick. So it's almost like the minute they learned Thomas Harden's real name, the timeline split. So now you have Lucas Wayman, who was the one that communicated with one and the one who's following the rules. But you have Thomas Harden, who is the same entity, but a different entity. This is getting confusing. I, didn't I don't even I don't even understand how there's two Lucases running around right now. Dude, every time like time travel, every time something's even insignificant happens, the timeline can split. Yeah. Like, I get that because, like, in in Lucas's case, he chose to tell them his real name. Well, there there is most likely a timeline that he didn't yeah. do that. Where he followed the rules. He followed the rules. Because Lucas didn't tell him the name. The friend right. did. This is another one that I wanted to... Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting that the friend is yeah. the one that spilled the beans. They are communicating with Peter, who is the linguist guy says, Peter, you are, without any exaggeration, a clever and cautious man who, whom has great care with his words. The use of the word dimensional has more relevance than you are given to believe, but we can see you care not for beating around the bush. You want to know only facts. We can understand your fear that communications with us may jeopardize your authenticity of this phenomena and consequences, or consequence, consequently the language of Thomas Hardwin. But you must still have some facts. Understandable. Yes, a straight enough answer. We have mislaid what evidence we could. But you will come across more than you already have. Some facts expecting in our time. This right here 
makes me think of a bunch of different shit, right? If a person is to physically travel in time, then they must take the living place of a person at the point of destination and vice versa. Imagine a set of scales perfectly balanced with pebbles, for example. To remove a pebble from one dish to the other and keep this perfectly balanced, you must instantaneously remove a pebble from the other dish and replace them in reverse order. You may move a couple petals already in the dish, but it's vital to keep the balance still. If someone is brought from another dimension, then again the same procedure applies. Matter will not, as we know it, ever travel in time. This is not a contradiction. We are not in control of this experiment. Thomas is a person living in the 16th century, but unknown to him, he is not quite what he seems to be. Ken, is there a possibility that you may persuade Thomas to call up this one tonight as it is imperative that we speak to him immediately? The thing that stood out to me is that if beings are crossing dimensions and times, they have to replace. Which makes me think like all this missing 411 shit where people disappear, people are just getting plucked up and then all of a sudden they're getting dropped back in. Yeah. Maybe they're getting replaced i don't know what episode but i know we've talked about this because i brought it up specifically that tv show travelers remember me telling you about how like they would wait until someone was getting like they would wait the split second before somebody was getting ready to die and they would they didn't they didn't really specify on like them having to replace in the future but it does kind of make sense because if time like you've always said, time is not linear. Time is not what we think. Time is up and down, left and right, and circle, and blah, 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 blah. It would make sense that you would have to keep the scales even or you're, you are fluctuating with time itself, which yeah. could just butt fuck everything. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, I've got, there's, like I said, there's 10 pages of correspondence here. It's all fucking. Crazy. I just can't get over how similar some of this shit runs, like you were saying earlier. And. It's a book that nobody can get a hold of, so yeah. nobody's grabbing well, a hold of it. And then you think about it from go, you know, go back to the story itself on Ken possibly making all this up. Like that, that for that this to be a hoax, man, he would have had to dedicate fuck loads of time. Yeah, and it goes in like they talk about plotting star maps and shit, all kinds of fucking crazy shit. Yeah, here's some correspondence that they think is from one which one seems to be the nefarious entity here. He says, I know your greatest fears. I know how to be emotive. I can interfere with all signal transmitting devices, including your computers. I have the power to make you do exactly what is required. Are you angry? Very angry. I can make the computer non-communicable. All is not what it appears to be. You cannot afford to be angry. Somebody is in trouble. Yes. Yeah. One definitely comes across as an asshole. One sounds like a dick. Yeah. Um, I just be like, F off, dog. You um, just made me want to work with 2109. Here is a message that was written in chalk on a stone pillar in the house. This is some fucking chemical to the brain shit here. It says, the eyes are open, yet nothing do you see. The gray retarding mass is your convict. Quietly, alone, he sits in the dark, waiting for sentence to be passed and demanding through the eyes of the blind of unspoken questions to answer of the ethereal kind. The soul, he is the traveler. Chain no, nor bar can hold him to his frail flesh. Here is the ruler of time and space. Here is your God. That sounds 
ominous as fuck. It's, it's like we were talking about consciousness in the last episode from last week. Yeah. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. It goes on to talk about a UFO um, investigator that 2109 specifically tells them to reach out to. This UFO enthusiast named Gary Rowe, which Ken does eventually reach out to him. And he does an investigation, doesn't come up with anything. But they, they're they like pronounced and telling him, you need to listen to Gary Rowe. You need to listen to Gary Rowe. You need to listen to Gary Rowe. Hmm. Interesting. But Ken didn't. So he's like, hey, I'm writing a book, whatever. <laughs> Uh, what else is there? So that that Gary Rose say don't write a book because you're gonna fuck everything yeah. up. The communication between Gary and 2109 is of no interest to you. Apparently, they, Gary has been talking to 2109. Gary what has the a better fuck? Gary has a better understanding of us than you do. His experiences are most definitely an advantage to this. His physical tests will prove negative. Unfortunately, you put far too much concern in proving to this world. You know that this is a worthless effort, so why ask? You must not be pushy with Gary. You underestimate his abilities, and that indirectly is an insult to us. If you had opened your eyes a bit wider and read the communications more intensely, you would have known half of the advantage Gary has. We must make a move. Thomas has four days, and then we will leave, and we shall fall. Or he will leave, and Weird. we shall fall. Gary Rowe will serve his purpose. Because that sounds really fucking familiar, too. But, so here's the thing. Once again, I'll, I'll put myself in Ken's shoes, all right? Uh, if I had 21 or 9 talking shit, just like they're doing now, I, I would literally go, hey, asshole, you started communication with me, okay? This, none of this is for you to be angry with me about if you want to put all your marbles in Gary's basket, guess what? Go put them in Gary's basket. Cause at the end of the day, this is gold. I'm writing a motherfucking book about it, and there's nothing you can do I'm about get it. Paid because it's gonna cost five hundred dollars for anybody to read it. Which is exactly what Steve and Kyle are gonna do. Cash in. Let's, um, let's another go. another message was f- received in possibly okay. Here's a message received two years later in 1987. I love our lives. From 2105. Oh, so we got another new one. It was sent to someone in Germany via another similar computer. The person in Germany contacted Ken. It says, contact Ken Weber during holidays. Much importance. Thank you, 2105. This message is from a conversation of people named Jules and Maggie that were sent to them from someone they called the technician. Question. Could we explain the communication between Ken Webster and Thomas Harden as an overlap of time between separate dimensions because Thomas Harden is in the 16th century and Ken Weber is here today? Technician answers. Yes, exactly. This is an overlap of both or of time of both dimensions. Could so you- now it's now it's like official not it's time and dimensions are merging together. All the veils are slipping. <laughs> This is insanity. (laughs) Question. Could you explain it also as an insight into the Akashic record or the Akashic record in which all that has been and all is to come are found? 
You could call it something like that, yes. There should appear in the region other documents from that time to show people that these unexplained experiences with this light box have actually happened and could be seen on the screen. So apparently there is proof out there somewhere. They ask, will Ken Webster find these documents? They stay other people will find these documents. Fucking Kyle and Steve, that's who. Let's go to fucking wherever the fuck it is. Cheshire, let's go. Yeah. Get it. Um, There is another one here talking about UFOs and shit. I'll go ahead and read it because we're already over time and uh, this go. is my podcast. I'll do whatever the fuck it. I want. I'm digging it, man. It is. They're not 100% sure this is from 2109, but it's definitely probably from 2109. Time, UFOs, and other types of paranormal are in some way all connected. In certain geographical locations, there is what we call an area of convectual magnetism. These can be explained by the magnetic lines that run around the Earth. Imagine, if you will, circles running around the Earth clockwise. These are positive lines of magnetic energy. Like ley lines. PLMF. Also circles running anti-clockwise around the earth. These are negatives. When the two opposite running lines are crossed, usually a permanent crossing rather than random, the light-time continuum is vastly distorted, so much so that a sensitive individual may witness what you may call a timescape. That is a glimpse of the of a past event or a future event. Ah, we hear you say, but you said matter cannot travel in time. This is true as if matter were to travel by all physical motion, then mass around the moving object would be so dense that the Earth and most other celestial bodies in your solar system would be consumed or imbalanced in such a way that they would rapidly decay. Then how, you ask? Imagine again a person from the future happily floating along in the silver spaceship crossing a sky of, con- of a convectual mag. All of a sudden, his instrument panel goes shaky. He may feel slightly dizzy or nauseous. A green mist caused by an atmospheric distortion forms around the vessel, and then he will probably fall into a trance state of such depths that his soul is squeezed through the light and time gate and is forced to project a physical mirror or image of himself or herself as of their place and time and origin in the immediate vicinity. This can occur sometimes for only several seconds and does only register that individual subconscious, but onlookers from the time which is broken into will witness a very physical sight and actions of this alien from another time. Totally by confusion, elaborate on the facts. We are not saying that there is no other life outside your planet. Actually, the contrary. There is life elsewhere. But the above phenomenon is the most usual as space is infinite to the mortal and chances of other race coming to across earth is not likely in the blanket of probability. There was also once a great philosopher who likened time to an infinitely high block of flats, each floor representing events piled on top of one another, vertically representing the geographical location, laterally representing each floor. Take that what you will. That's a lot to take in. So they're saying that the physical being cannot yeah. travel back in time, but the the soul yeah. can be projected yeah. on this timeline. Which makes I mean like it's like the it's like consciousness. That's why I was just like exactly what we just went in through with uh Centerlane. Yeah. Like it's like 
using raw energy, like the the movement of energy is going to be vastly different than than the physical matter. Which I mean, kind of makes sense if you try, like if if all mass is already accounted for, taking it from one timeline and putting it into another would probably cause catastrophic events. Probably, but it, in the way my brain just functioned, if say I'm physical. You're physical, but we also have an internal that is not physical. For you know, lack of better examples, your soul. Well, your soul is not physical, therefore it can actually go move, forward move or back. Yes, which would be just like what Roger was going through in Center Lane. He was using that to be able to manipulate his way through time and space. Could 2109 be students of Center Lane? I hope. <laughs> I hope. That, that are traversing because clearly one had to have manipulated or projected himself there. That makes me wonder where the fuck did the computer go come from if they can't bring mass to and from? Yeah, that's a good point. But either way, it sounds like it almost sounds like everybody involved is doing their own fucking experiment. Like they all have, they're all playing with their cards at the chest, damn near. It's like they're all trying to, to manipulate each other to get the, the desired outcome, which yeah. I don't blame any of them because if I'm Ken, I'm going to be like, all right, well, what do we can do? What can we, what, what can we do to prove this? And then you have 2109 who's like, well, we can tell them this, but we can't tell them that. So we got to figure out a way to manipulate them to do this. And then you have one who is trying to <laughs> just pull all the strings. Yeah. Do what he's trying to do. I mean, it, it's just a big, it's a big mess, but it's fucking, fucking really fascinating. Story. And like you said, the parallels that we have with this right now is it is truly bizarre. When like I started digging into it and I wrote my first part, I was like, all right, this is a weird story. But when I found the correspondence between 2109 stating that they are future beings into what we're dealing with right now, I know we're being cryptic and I know everybody's like, what the fuck are you dealing with? But we will we'll let you know. Yeah. Because we just don't want to fuck the timeline. Okay? So you kind of already have an idea I, of what we're dealing with. I probably just did say in that. Probably. I apologize to everyone. It's too late. I've just ruined your future. Anyway, that's all I had. If you Good guys want to look into it, Google the Doddleston messages. That's aw- that's, that was awesome. That and really was awesome. The book is called The Vertical Plane by Ken Webster. If you can find it, a PDF, send or us a Kindle a version, send it over. Don't spend 500 bucks on it for fuck's sake. I mean, if you're balling out of control, have yeah. at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just Google the Doddleston messages and you'll find a bunch of shit about it. I got a couple fucking websites here I cited, but they're too long for me to read. I can send them to you if you want. Just hit me up. So that's that. Welcome back to the future. Oh, and that's another thing I was going to say. I know once he said that there are two Lucases and if they meet, the continuum will explode. Note that this correspondence started in 84 and 85. Back to the Future didn't come out until the last half of the summer in 85. So him him pulling from that is kind of irrelevant. Right. So there's that. 
All right. I hope you had a fun time. Hell yes. Check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Um, until next time, stay safe, stay weird, and I don't know, dog. If you're from the future, just hit us up. For sure. You probably already have. You have, actually. Touche. See ya. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.